Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbond on Twitter, and I'm really happy to have, we are proud to have, our second Giant Bomb guest. Famously, we have had Alex Navarro on the podcast twice uh, on our first guest episode and on episode 100 um, to talk about two very different things, uh, Fire Pro and then Red Dead 2. Uh, but both of those are now firmly in our rear view, and we have uh, Ben Pack of, of video, of Giant Bomb, of Destructoid, of 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 everything. I mean, you've you've been all over the place. Hello. Yes, I. Well, not outside the continental United States. But <laughs> you've never been outside the continental United States. Are you not allowed? <laughs> I'm a flight risk, uh, <laughs> mostly because they're not sure I won't bring down a plane just by being so big. Um, I have a buddy. Uh, it's funny that you're so you're six ten, right? Yes. Am I okay? I, I read that in your bio. Uh, my friend, uh, my friend Brandon Gouten, uh, who is the the head writer over at the um, the Eagles SB Nation, the Philadelphia Eagles SB Nation page, um, is also six ten. And whenever I see him, it's he's he's so tall, and um, we we joke about it. One time, my uh, my dad and I got dinner with him and his dad when he was in Chicago when I was still there, and uh, his dad's like six seven, and I'm six foot pretty much even, and my dad's 5'10". So we were just walking down the street, basically, um, me talking to Brandon and my dad talking to his dad, and it was just like this comical thing where you just kind of had like a a very, very dramatic slant between the two people. Yeah, you had like the real-life Verizon bars. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, we we had two bars. Um, Yeah, it was... uh, It it gets normal after a while, and, and mostly I just feel that like it must just get really irritating hearing all the things people say about tall people all the time. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's just kind of, it's something that somebody asks me every day, literally every day how tall <laughs> I am, so it just kind of is second nature, and I don't really think about it when people ask. Like, sometimes people will go on and on, you know, asking about <laughs> like basketball. And, yeah, sure. And the like, but honestly, I mean, there's worse things to be, talked to about i guess i guess that's fair yeah also um, I, can i say i really like the fact that in your uh research and fact checking you managed to figure out my height but not my last name i think that's great i know for my seo that's uh, <laughs> really powerful for my web presence well so i was saying to ben earlier i i, I knew he was ben pack but um for some reason i guess because like i don't know like i guess because i listened to 
too much rap. I thought like <laughs> I thought that was like your like your MC name, like your like like your name that you you produce under, like Ben Pack, like Backpack, and I just it never crossed my mind that Pack is of course a totally reasonable <laughs> last name. Uh, it's Germanic. We believe in nature. Yes, uh, that's that, I mean the CK. I, I have an NK at the end of mine. That's the you know we we probably uh, we probably have the same German roots there. Yeah. Um, sounds right. It's very right. guttural. It's nice. It's it's what I like about your name is that it is very uh, it's very condensed. Oh like yeah. You have the Ben and then the Pack, and it's like a one-two punch. And once you said it, it's like just it comes. It just you say it. It's out of your mouth. I, I, there's an old podcast called "You Look Nice Today" that I used to like, where they spend an episode kind of theorizing the best name you can give to a Starbucks employee <laughs> to hear. Um, <laughs> And they landed on Truck Spank, and I feel like Ben Pack has a similar... It's very close, yeah. I mean, you know, the nice thing about Ben Pack is, like, the worst thing that you're going to get if you say that is someone's going to think it's your full name. Like, they're going to be like, Ben Pack, and your last name is. Um, but, like, no one's going to mishear Ben. Like, no one's going to hear that and say, like, Pen or, like, Pam or something. I hear, you're just going to get the name and. I hear it all the time when I hear people say then, like kind of um, like too loud and I'm in the crowd and just, who's yelling? At yes. <laughs> yeah. I, um, there's a, Trevor is a weird name to have. Cause like not, a, I like, I like it fine, but like not a lot of people have it, but enough people have it that you'll hear it periodically and right. always in like, like Trevor Belmont was, was kind of weird to see as a kid. And then like, um, or like, I, I don't know when Trevor Belmont arrived, probably when I was like. 10 or 13. I think it was like 18, the 1800s or something. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't think I was alive then, actually. Come to think of it. Um, but, um, no, and then, like, in, in my in my kid's uh, daycare, there's a Trevor that's in, like, that's, like, two or something in the room across the hall. And so the teachers will just be like, Trevor! And, like, yelling at him or something because he's, you know, stealing some kid's toy like toddlers do. Right. Um, and I'll always look around like someone's yelling at me, like, what did I do? Like, <laughs> like also, every time I hear Trevor, I just think it's me. You must have had a blast in the extreme sports era with all those dirt bikers. Uh, there were so many Trevors then. That was yeah. like that was the that was the time. It was prime um, Trevor time. It was. Yeah, there were a lot of extreme sports Trevors and um <laughs> and then not not a lot of others. I guess there's Trevor Ariza in the in the NBA and that's about it. Um and then like you'll hear it on British shows. Some some like bit character will be named Trevor. That happens a lot too. It's 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 very weird. I I just I feel very self centered because I never think anyone's talking about me unless I hear someone with my same name, which I imagine is like something that you've kind of had to to work past. Like if right. someone says Ben in a room, you can't assume it's you. No, uh, unless they're like direct, like looking up into the <laughs> air, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Was I looking right at you and saying Ben? I suppose that's like a fair guess then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so um, we've been we've been trying to get together for a while. You're you're a busy dude. Um, I, I guess I'm busy here and there too. It's just that it's a busy time of year for video games. It uh, is. You're off to E3 next week. Uh, um, yeah, this nine weekend. Days. Or, yeah. Nine days. Wow. Wow. Um, any any big predictions? Do you think do you think they're finally gonna uh, release the ultimate game or anything? Or? Oh yeah, they're finally gonna. Everyone's been asking for it. Uh, they're finally making a Gumby game. Everyone's really <laughs> excited. You get to ride Pokey around. You get to oh man, the, uh, the blockheads are in it. The it's gonna be That's, good. The putties are from Power Rangers. Oh my god, I'm a fake gamer. You <laughs> fake Gumby gamer. <laughs> 
No, it's weird though. With like, because uh, people will ask me that, and I've you know by nature of being in the industry and like knowing people who've gone to stuff like Judges Week and stuff, I kind of know not everything, but I know some things. And so like my friends and stuff, you know, will ask me like, oh, E3, like my friends who game, uh, not yeah. my friends who have lives. Uh, <laughs> oh. They don't tend to ask about gaming. That's true. no, it's nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like you know, I have to, this is the, kind of the first time in my life I like. Oh, I know industry secrets. And by industry secrets, I mean like something is going to be announced in a week and a half and have marketing <laughs> material wrapped around it. Like nothing like cool, but uh, it's still like kind of neat and also kind of weird where I have to be like, oh, I don't know. I hope Mario's <laughs> there and we can high five. You just get you just have to wink and like tell them like, well, I wouldn't not not expect to see like, just yeah. just giving like baroque clues as to. Yeah, it's it's funny. I remember I uh, the the only sort of access I ever got that made me feel like I was I was an industry insider was um, you know I, due to due to teaming up with someone from Mike I got access to um, to Far Cry Five before it came out. Like I got it early. Uh, we got to play it for like three days before it came out, and of course it was disappointing, which is you know <laughs> th- that's fine. Um, but the novelty <laughs> of it, I'm sure, was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that was neat, and I was able. I, I streamed it, and people when it when it, the streaming boycott or uh, embargo was off, and and uh, and basically just everyone watching it was like, "How do you have this? Why why do you have this right <laughs> now?" And I was like, "Well." Um, but uh, it was funny getting the getting the material for it because it was like, oh, this is as polished as it's going to be. Like you just sent me like a seventy five page like booklet about the world of Far Cry Five. <laughs> like this is not actually early access. This is just slightly early. Right. Access. You're just like, like, oops, <laughs> we dropped a copy for off the truck and you found yeah. it on its way to the Wink. GameStop. <laughs> yeah, like basically, if 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 video games did guerrilla marketing, this is what we'd end up with. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 weird. Like today's access is, it, I don't know. Like it feels. I remember the old E3s where like they would be like these giant events, and I feel like maybe it was just because I was younger uh, when like you know the Super Nintendo and sixty four days, PlayStation days. But like it felt like E three really was like a mystery. Yeah. And now it feels very telegraphed, I guess. I mean, even when I was working, so I interned um, at Giant Bomb in 2010 or 11, and it was during E3, uh, and it was me and two other interns kind of stayed behind and were on trailer duty, you know, uploading, and we uploaded like 150 trailers or something, but even, even at that point, even being around people who were working in games, it was still, I feel like, just such a bigger deal of like literally counting down the hours to the press conferences and making sure you didn't want to miss anything. And I think that was the year that Sony unveiled the PS3 and said it cost $600 and the audience like booed. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like ever since then it's kind of been not the same. Yeah, no, I mean how are you going to how are you going to top that? Like you it's very difficult to top a, a company like laying out something that they think is going to be their next big thing and then getting booed off the stage. Yeah. It's not, like, it's not like the, the Ouya is going to be at uh, <laughs> at E3 or something. Rick, dude, too soon, man. It, yeah. Have a little respect. Oh, sorry. You know what? I have to. I. I don't. I don't have the reach you do. I have to. I have to ride the controversy, dude. Like that I just have console to... brought us Towerfall. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it did one good thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was actually. We were talking about that. I was. I was streaming with some friends, and we were talking about that, and like they were saying, Towerfall was the only good game on that, and then like we were trying to come up with the good games and like the end gauge and stuff. And it, it, it's weird how <laughs> many Hawk. like consoles. 
Tony Hawk was on the end gauge. Okay, yeah. I knew. I like. I know nothing about the end gauge. I remember coming out and immediately thinking I didn't want one, and then learning the details of it and knowing I didn't want one. <laughs> you don't want a console that has like six games and ninety minutes of battery life. <laughs> yeah, and I also like what I loved about the end gauge was how if you wanted to use it as a phone, you had to like basically like reconstruct it from the gaming system and then reconstruct it back. It was that's like a very cool feature. Yeah. And you get to talk um, on the side of it, which everyone loves. <laughs> it's it, it really is like I don't know. Like I, I feel like maybe what I miss about gaming, maybe what I miss about E three is the um, is that like people didn't really understand what gaming was until I don't know ten years ago. Like they were still trying to work it out. Like I remember in um, or like what would work as like from like a company standpoint. Like I remember when I was a kid. Um, we went to this appliance store for some reason, and they had a 3DO setup uh-huh. um, that you could buy there for um, one thousand dollars, uh, which was just oh so good. Um, like you could you could play uh, oh what was it Night Trap? Um, you could play all the good uh, FMV games that no one wanted to play. Um, that was like nineties a thousand dollars, which is yeah I know insane. it was nuts. And like I remember my dad was looking at it. And later on, he told me, he was like, I briefly considered buying that. And, like, my dad was, like, in an apartment at that point. Like, he didn't, he didn't have $1,000 to spend in a 3DO for me. But, like, but I bet it good. was mind-blowing and so fucking cool. With the, yeah, like, exactly. Interactive media. It's the future, dude. Yeah, I love, I, I think I miss, like, that. I think I miss, like, people saying, well, this is the future. Yeah. And, and really, really fully believing it and then it completely failing. That's, uh, there's something really exciting about that. Yeah, and you can always like look forward to Ubisoft conferences as being just a total train wreck. Like they had mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, I, I remember the laser tag, like people just <laughs> running on stage in laser tag costumes, shooting each other. Oh no! Uh, the Michael Jackson experience dance number, which even now in retrospect is going to be more awkward. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have to bury that one. Yeah, then, put it in whatever hole anthems in. Oh God! <laughs> I was really amped about anthem, and it uh, it it failed very badly. Um, yeah, no, it's just like I, I, you know what else I miss, and and we can get to the actual show soon. But I th- like I haven't really been able to talk about this with anyone. Like I miss I miss games that got like, sort of announced and then died. Like, I mean, that still happens, of course. Like, there are games that are in development hell or whatever. But, like, games that you'd get pictures of or whatever, and they'd be like, this is going to come out, it's going to be great, and then it never happened. Yeah. Like, uh, Earthbound 64 or whatever. Oh, like where yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, we're definitely releasing this game. It's going to be so fun. And then, like, three years later, they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's just not. Like, don't, don't go look for it. <laughs> That never happened. What are you talking about? Yeah. No... Oh, Earthbound 64, that was a rumor. Um, you just read that on a rumor site. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like the companies are just much more calc... And I mean, I get it. Like, they're huge concerns. It's not as if, like, they want to waste a ton of money. But, like, it, it, it felt better when it was the Wild West in some ways. <laughs> like, you can get your hopes up and then have them dashed. There's something really, uh, really exciting about that. I uh, I randomly just in you saying that I was trying to remember a certain canceled video game and I ended up on the uh, Wikipedia page for canceled video games and my <laughs> eyes were instantly drawn to the Mask, the video game for Game that Boy Color that got canceled. Yeah, oh, I know. Come on, 
Let's start a campaign. Let's get the math. Let's get the sort. There has to be some source files out there. There has to be some stuff that it works on. Give it the Star Fox 2 treatment. Just like, you know, extract it. Yeah, on the Game Boy Color Classic, it's going to be a hidden game you can unlock. Game Boy. Just like, I, I, I actually, I remember a while back I had uh, um, Donald Borenstein on. I don't know if you know him or not, but he's a, he's a nice dude. Um, or, or they're nice. They're nice. Um, but the um, the uh, the thing we talked about was uh, these co- these console tie-ins for movies and how, like, every single one was just this, like, crummy platformer that used some element <laughs> of... Like the franchise to have a projectile, and yeah. and then you'd just like fight random things from the movie, and yeah, like half like of them wouldn't actually show up. You a gun, like the ninety <laughs> percent of the enemies weren't actually even in the movie. They're just like, right, yeah, uh, a burglar. I don't know, dude. <laughs> We've got like fifty thousand dollars in three weeks to make this video game. You cannot question any of the decisions. <laughs> I guarantee the um, the. Projectile, the the basic attack move of the mask was throwing his hat. I I like I would I would bet serious money on that. Oh, and he was so cartoony too. You could do a, you could do a lot of fun things with the mask because he uh, operated on cartoon uh, physics. Yeah, you know he would like. I I seem to remember him making his ear really big into like a gramophone sort of thing to hear something. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the game would have had like. I'm trying to remember what the mask did, other than his, his eyes popped out, out of his head, his tongue. Yeah, he out, did like Tex Avery stuff. That would definitely be in the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. he probably have that like uh, gun that's a punching glove too. Oh yeah, that's the yeah. classic Inspector Gadget weapon. Oh yeah, no, and it, it always works really well. Like you can imagine it really like seamlessly being an effective weapon. Um, I always yeah, wonder, no. yeah, that always bothered me because it was like, how do you hold? Like, how is it strong enough <laughs> to maintain its horizontal velo- uh, velocity, but also like springy enough to really b- do a devastating blow? Like, even as a child, it never quite lined up. It was like that. That that physics question is is a lot like the questions of like how do they like so the things that bothered me when I was a kid would be like playing Zelda and thinking like how does Link have all this in his pockets? Yeah, like he has a boomerang and a sword and a bow and arrow and like twenty arrows and twenty bombs. And it's like this is just this doesn't make sense to me. Like what or like why are monsters carrying gold? Right. Um. The, that's like that's like of those lines of problems where like I think. The answer is they are really hoping that you don't ask. It's a uh, <laughs> bag of holding. Yeah, bag of holding. <laughs> that I mean, that is the most elegant answer. I have to. You have to give it to to Gygax. The uh, the the bag of holding really was kind of uh, remarkable in that way. Yeah, it's such a fun concept. I only played. I've only played like a, maybe three or four games of D and D ever, but my most fun experience definitely involved bag of holding shenanigans like, put a bag of holding in a bag of holding putting putting a guy we wanted to interrogate like kidnapping a guy basically putting him in a bag of holding <laughs> and then spending hours to try and get him out <laughs> yeah i think um i don't know like i guess there's something to those games that like i, I don't know like i the, the two things people do that seem to be fun are and i mean i'm not a huge tabletop guy either i've really enjoyed when i've done it but i've never had a group um, but like, it seems like the two fun things are either very, very well put together narrative campaigns. People have loads of fun with those or 
just like goofing around with the in-universe physics to the point that you were just like kind of like pushing the world to its edge. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. That reminds me of like open world gaming. Totally. It's sort of like a weird split of like improv versus stand up. You know, it's like it's like a very <laughs> yeah. tight written kind of experience which works for certain kinds of people. Certain kinds of people like want to hear the story and want to experience. Other people want to play D&D and be like, "Oh, I can do anything. I'm going to do everything." Yeah, yes and my way through all of this. Like. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and a good DM is like in my opinion good at both, right? You got to be like ready mm-hmm. for either. I DM'd one campaign once for uh a couple friends and you know it was my first time so I was going like off of a pre-written one with like little changes here and there and I had an idea of there was this cave there's like basically the scenario was there was a small village that was being messed with by like orcs from a, a cave in a mountain pretty pretty straightforward stuff yeah uh, that's fine. And they were they were breaking into the blacksmith and like taking the blacksmith guy's stuff every no <laughs> not right? the blacksmith right? that guy's and really important he's he makes all the swords and axes that's like the only guy I want to see in town. You break into the bakers or something. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, and so my, I basically I was like, okay, I, in my mind, I'm like, right, I'm going to have them eventually make their way to the blacksmith. They're going to figure out, like, okay, we can kind of, like, either trail them from here or maybe, like, the blacksmith might know some information. Like, if they were to talk to the blacksmith long enough, I would just have him tell them, like, he knew where they were or whatever. I just want yeah, them yeah. to get to the, get to the quest, you know? Sure. And they all kind of came to the conclusion, okay, we're going to jump in a burlap sack with all the swords and stuff there <laughs> and wait for the orcs to kidnap us. And I I just like thought about it for 30 seconds. I was like, you guys know that they could probably tell the difference between a bag of swords and a bag of like elves and dwarves and shit, right? And they're like, no, 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 orcs have low intelligence. You have to roll for that. And so I was like, okay, and I mean, I made, I made it like they have to pass like an eight intelligence roll or something, and I rolled a one, and I was like, okay, yeah, all right, they pick you up and bring you back to their lair, great. You did it. <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, on one hand, I was bummed because I had this whole like thing of like when they were go- going to go on their way, this other stuff was going to happen, but also I was proud of them for yeah, that side and, of the box. And it's so cool, like I, I think like the reason tabletop systems work so well is because like. The the roll four mechanic is just so forgiving of that. It's like yeah. just it like in, in real life, if I wanted to be like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go try and rob a bank, and they'd be like, well, you know, like it's unlikely that will succeed. Like, but there's like a point one percent chance it'll work. <laughs> sure, right. yeah, roll, roll for it. I guess you walk in and everyone has a simultaneous heart attack in the bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could happen. I mean, it's just like you know, there's there are. <laughs> There's infinitesimal uh, chances of anything happening, which is why the roll system's so good. Like yeah. I choose to, I choose to give it a give it a shot here. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, so like uh, one thing I really wanted to talk to you about, um, and and so I was at a Combo Breaker this uh, last weekend, uh, which was really cool. Uh, it's my second time going. It's uh, really fun. I like Combo Breaker a lot. It and, seems uh, so fun. It's the one fighting game tournament outside of Evo that I've always wanted to go to. Yeah, and I, I really wanted to go to Evo initially. Uh, I was planning on it last year, and then um, my son was born in uh, July, at the end of July, and obviously Evo's like at the beginning of August. He, and was, he was born too late to compete. He couldn't register. Yeah, he couldn't get in, and yeah, no, it was really a bummer, because I thought he could probably, he, you know, I didn't think 
because all the big people are there for Street Fighter. I didn't I didn't think you had a chance in that. But like some of the side tournaments, I thought oh, maybe yeah. you could probably handle. Um, but no, he was he was born and and like my wife was super supportive. She was like, you know, you can go, and I was like, I'm not. I don't think it's a good idea to leave you with like a three week old and our five year and our four year old. <laughs> yeah, that's like a story where like like later when he's like seven or eight, it's like, oh yeah, like right after you were born, I went to Vegas for a fighting game tournament. It was really tight. Like I had the time of my life. Yeah, it was work. I mean, it was totally a job. <laughs> Just like drinking and having fun of the strip. Yeah, no, it's so like I didn't do it. Um, but like honestly, after going to Combo Breaker twice, I'm less. I'm less. Uh, compelled to go to Evo because like there's such it combo breaker hits this like perfect balance of being a really big tournament where you see like the best people in the world playing and then also a super small tournament where you don't feel like you're just like a face in the crowd like you really yeah. do get to feel like part of it Evo is overwhelming I, I've gone to like four or five at this point and, oh wow okay uh, it it gets bigger every year. Like, it literally, sure. the spaces even get bigger every year. And uh, I think it was, like, three or four years ago was the first year they moved the finals day to Mandalay Bay, which is insane. <laughs> that's like that's where nuts. MMA fights happen. Uh, and it's cool. Like, it's incredible production value. It's this huge stadium, you know. Uh, everyone's just screaming and going wild. It really feels like, like being at a high-octane sports event. Like, everyone's just going wild. Yeah. But the But the... The, then you're like, oh, but also I'm like sitting in stadium seating for 12 hours, and that's not <laughs> the most. I'm gonna go eat a $14 hot dog and just kind of sit in the hallway because it's somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I even do that at Combo Breaker. Like at a certain point, you're just like, okay, this is this this room is too big, too loud, and too uncomfortable. I need to like go to a place that this is not. Right. But the nice thing about Combo Breaker is like. You don't leave and then go to the strip. You leave and you're suddenly in like St. Charles, Illinois, which um, I'm lucky enough to have family there. So I just like I just stay with them. But like, yeah, no, it's really, really convenient. But like um, it's just quiet. Like there's nothing going on. (laughs) You can go across the street to the Culver's and that's about it. Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, it's cool. Like it's it's a it's it's a good balance, basically. But um yeah, I, I I had a lot of fun there. I played the uh, the mystery game tournament, which was where I first I got my first combo breaker wins. Um, nice. I, on like yeah, on uh, what, what was it? Je- oh, it was this old Idea Factory game. Those people who now make um, the Hyper Dimension Neptunia games, which <laughs> I don't I don't know enough about. My friend uh, my friend characterized them as uh, oh, do you want to fuck a Sega Saturn? Uh, that's the Hyper Dimension Neptunia games, and and that. That struck me as something I didn't really want to do, uh, but it was what was it called? It was like Generations versus something. Um, it's old weird fighting game, and it was I think it was based on like a, a Sega franchise that I knew nothing about. Um, and uh, and um, I won in that because like I just did Street Fighter moves, and it accepted my Street Fighter moves. <laughs> and yeah. Like the other the other person was not trying Street Fighter moves, and I just found the I found the cheesiest ones and just killed him as quickly as I could before he caught on. Nice. Um, and then I won in Soul Calibur three, which uh, oh hell yeah, is just I'd never played it. I'd never played Soul Calibur three. Totally missed me. Yeah, it, it's not great. I uh, <laughs> like. I've heard this guy does the worst Soul Calibur. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't well received when it was like announced it, uh, at, at the mystery game when he was like, "All right, Soul Calibur three is like." I know it's not one of the better Soul Calibers. <laughs> like this, this is good. Um, and then I lost in Weapon Lord, which uh, oh, Weapon Lord, I gave us like really not 
<laughs> no, it's very bad. I, I, I really want to go to Combo Breaker next year just based off of all these ranking of fighter games I've been playing where it's like, I've got pretty good odds of encountering some game I've yeah. played. <laughs> and all you have to do, like, I was talking to someone who'd won, and I was like, well, you can't really train for mystery game. And he was like, no, you can. And he's like, what I did was I, uh, I, he's like, I thought of every single game that I ever played that was super broken. And I would, I went back and played it and found out how it was broken and took a, took copious notes and had like an Excel spreadsheet that I studied <laughs> about like what character to pick and what character yeah, is most totally. broken. And it's like, yeah, no, I mean, that's what you do. You just, and then like no one, no one gets mad at you for spamming in, in the mystery tournament. Like it's. That's it's, what you it's do. Respected. Yeah, like yeah you, you found you found the trick. Use it. Don't 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 stop. Um, um, I think yeah. my favorite mystery game event that I ever saw. And I think this was back when it was UFGT before it was Combo Breaker. Okay, yeah. Was um, Marvel Marvel vs. Capcom two, but the teams were everyone had to play three Thanoses and they set the latency <laughs> to five because you could like it was the whatever XBLA version where you could like adjust for lag in training mode. So oh, they set God. the latency to max and everyone was Thanos. It was incredible to watch. That's amazing. <laughs> I, uh, my, my buddy, uh, got, he got pretty far in the tournament and then got bounced on, um, it was, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna remember it, uh, I wanna say Twin Vipers, but I don't think that's right, the old, uh, I think it was like a, uh, Fighting Vipers, maybe, like, a. I think it was like a PlayStation game or an Xbox, like, it was, it was very, it was very Virtual Fighter coded, um, but the, the, the characters in it, you could play as Pepsi Man, um, and yeah, so it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, fighting vipers, yeah. And so it was Pepsi Man versus Pepsi Man. You had to be Pepsi Man, all Pepsi Man match. <laughs> it was so good. Like I, I, he lost, and I was like, you can't really be too disappointed about losing Pepsi Man, Pepsi Man. He's like, no, I'm just I'm like honored, honored to be part of it. Uh, <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, you know, the one thing I did, com- I competed in a couple other things just because I like to, I like to do it. I'm not very good because I don't have a lot of time to practice, and I, I should, right. I should more because I really love fighting games. But I'm just, you know, I, I forget to spend the time. Um, but I, uh, one of the games I competed in was uh, Undernight in Birth. Let's see if I can get it. Undernight in Birth, uh, late test. Mm, no. Exe. Yeah. Exe late est. Ah, I got the exe in the wrong place. Um, well, <laughs> casual. Ah, I forgot all the I forgot all the brackets. Um, I like how they have uh, uh, the st in brackets, so you yeah. it can it, like because it's because it's late, but this is latest. <laughs> it's like all right. I, I got, literally literally. Uh, Yesterday, I was like, hanging out with a friend, and I told him about Eunice and got him to like interested to buy it. And then he steamed a message. He steam messaged me, and he's like, "Which one do I buy? I can't figure it out." I was like, and I just said, "Buy the latest one, too. <laughs> the, the, the one with latest in the title. Uh, this is going to be confusing when they come out with the next one, which yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm told is coming, and like, I wonder what they will name it. Um, but it's getting really popular. Like, it was huge. Um, yeah. And and it was not as huge last year. And like I remember, I I, I signed up for it because I I like it. And uh, I, we can talk about like what's appealing about it. I I have my opinions. I'm sure you have yours. But like the I was I was in, waiting for my pool. And uh, a Sonic Fox came by and he was like, oh, man, he's like, I love this stuff. Like I I should have competed in Unist. And I was like, man, this is actually like this is blowing up. Like everyone is super interested in Unist all of a sudden. Yeah. Um. 
I really and think it, it was the Evo announcement, you know? Yeah, that was what that was what a lot of people said, and it, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it really felt like a coming out party for it, because, like, totally. the, the, I mean, the finals were so fun, and everyone was having such a great time. Everyone was loving playing it. It felt super fresh. It didn't feel like... I remember I was watching DBZ uh, auction and uh, which was great. Auctions are super fun, but yeah. the um, I, I love that. Like the, especially when they're like mystery auctions in a way where they're like, okay, the team is called this, and then you, you, you like, you know, it's like Balma's babysitters, and it's like who you're gonna get. <laughs> um, but uh, but that was a blast. But like at one point it was like Bardock versus uh, Piccolo, and the the announcers were like, oh yeah. How many times have we seen this? A hundred times. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, it's just like, this is what it is. Or Bardock versus Cell. Like, that's always what it is. And right. um, Eunice didn't feel like that. It felt super fresh. Totally. Um, so, like, I want to ask you, like, what do you, what do you like about Eunice? Like, uh, you, 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 you like it, you play it. Um, yeah. What, what appeals to it, uh, to you about it? So, I mean, I picked up uh, Undernight for the first time when ST came out, which I think okay. was, like, early to mid last year. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Someone told me to buy it on sale, and I think that was, like, earlier this year, or, like, yeah, very late last year. So, it, like, that it sounds pops up on sa- It pops up on sales pretty frequently, which is nice. Uh, it makes it easier to recommend. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I checked out ST um Having never played, I, I had played like, actually I played the Japanese beta of the very first Undernight at a friend's house who like downloaded it through the Japanese PSN, and I thought it was neat, but we played like nice. you know, five or six rounds of it and never thought about it again. Uh, I, I played Phone on. I was like, whoa, her whip is like the whole screen. That's cool as shit. I like this, and then I never thought about it again. <laughs> phone on rocks. Yeah. I would say uh, if I have it close to a main, it would be Phonon. I think okay. she's really fun to use. Yeah, she's really cool. Um, she's out of the so meta, so I have to uses. learn another main. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, just watch Goichi. He makes her look really good. Oh, there you uh, go. But, uh, so, I, and, like, I guess, I, so, brief history of fighting games. I, I really, I, I've loved fighting games for a really long time, but it wasn't until Street Fighter Four that I really, like, was like, okay, I'm going to buy a fight stick. I'm going to play in training room. I'm going to learn combos, you know. The whole shebang, and yeah. so it was like the really the only fighting games I got super into were Street Fighter Four for a while, Marvel vs. Capcom Three for a while, Melee if you want to count that, and then I kind of like, yeah, I know it's it's a dangerous line, especially where <laughs> I work. Uh, and then I kind of like I, I played, you know, I played Dragon Ball, I played Mortal Kombat, I played Tekken, but never really like got super into them and was kind of feeling fatigued. On fighting games, I liked Guilty Gear 2 a whole lot, but I was like nowhere near as good and didn't have the time to put into it. Um, yeah, Guilty Gear is like is absolutely the the pinnacle of anime fighter. That when people say anime fighter and they're like, it's so complicated, you're never gonna get it. Like that right. that game, especially Guilty Gear 2, is like. Ah, like That's a game every you, character is so hard. Yeah, you're not learning the game. You're learning like every character. Learning each character is like learning a different instrument. Whereas like like learning Street Fighter is like learning how to read music. You know, yes. and you can kind of apply yeah. it to several good characters. But then Guilty Gear, it's like you're hopping between drums and saxophone and just like you know. Yeah, they it's all like play crazy differently. 
you could you could like you could jump between characters, but like it would be like when someone says like, oh yeah, you know, I do play bass. Um, I got a couple chords on guitar. I probably can like fill in real quick, and they're not yeah. good at it. Like, it's like, like yeah, I know no, it's, it's clear what your instrument is. <laughs> right. Like I I, know, I understand the concept of rhythm, so I can maybe like <laughs> maybe hit you with some normals. Uh, but right. When, when Undernight, when I started playing Undernight. Um, it just f- so the first the first thing that got me was the tutorial. Uh, that game it's has so good, like a hundred and sixteen non-character specific tutorial lessons, I think, uh, which is, it was insane. Um, and then the character specific stuff is like each character has thirty more on top of that, uh, which I love. Like I'm a huge advocate for making fighting games more accessible, making the training modes better, like actually teaching you. Uh, you know, here's why you would want to maybe use an EX move instead of a normal special move, or like, here's how to beat a, uh, a zoning character, or here's how right. to deal with grapplers, and, and that sort of stuff. Just more general fighting game philosophy, which I think is kind of a big barrier to entry for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, I, someone was saying that the Unist tutorial is or Undernight's tutorial is like so good because it doesn't just teach you how to play Undernight, it teaches you how to play it teaches you like how to play fighting games. Like it, yes. it basically like starts off by saying like, okay, so here's how you do this correctly. Like if you want to play yeah. a fighting game, um, literally the first not just tutorial us. is here's where your health bars are. Like yeah. that's they're they're so handholdy, which is great. Like a lot of people use handholdy uh, pejoratively, but I think it's it's good in this instance where it's just like yes, here is um, here's where you're you're this character. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. The they, they even do like the side of the screen. They're like, if, <laughs> "Don't worry, if you jump to the other side, your health bar is still on the left." And like, you know, if you've been playing fighting games forever, it's like, well, of course. Right. But I'm, I'm imagining like pl- picking up a fighting game for the first time ever and being like, "Wait, hold on, now I'm the other side of the screen. What's going on?" <laughs> um, and then so that was that was cool. And then when I just started playing it, something felt. So cohesive. I forget what they call it—the chain system or whatever, where like all normals will link into other normals with ease. Yeah. Uh, combos you can just really like, just kind of go ad lib and like things work when you feel like they should work more often than they don't work. Uh, if that makes any sense, you know, like no, totally. So I I, I play Waldstein uh, and Akatsuki. And Waldstein has a lot of stuff that like launches you up into the air or bounces you off the wall, and then I'll just be like, I don't know, I'm gonna jump and hit C, and I think that should hit him. And eight times out of ten, it does. Uh, my, uh, so we we play with like a, a pretty um, small crowd of, of game uh, spot folks in the office. Mm-hmm. We have like a little setup, cool. uh, and there's maybe like eight to ten people who play semi regularly. And one of one of my friends described it as, uh, in his opinion, he was like, "This feels like if Capcom made an anime fighter," which I feel like is nice to Capcom. <laughs> this is a very nice compliment to uh, Capcom's ability to make modern fighting games. Although I think they've done a good job with Street Fighter recently. Uh, but like, yeah, Street Fighter it, it makes, fine. Yeah, it makes sense. It's the most approachable anime fighter I've seen. Without it, it doesn't cross that like. Oh, I'm going to just get Vortex to buy some character and not have any idea how to even mount a counterattack. Like, it rewards you. This game rewards you for really good defense, right? You're building grid yeah. if you're blocking strings and stuff, which gives you a resource that kind of lets you do, a, like, if you're under pressure and you're dealing with it well enough, you're going to get your chance for a counterattack. Like, 
Yeah, and and I think like what I like about one of the things I like about Undernight is so there's the grid and the vortex system, and like there's the timer that you know, if you have the most grid, you get vortex. I mean, it's it's super interesting, but like you don't necessarily have to be a master of those systems to play either. Like the no. the the basic elements of like block attacks, and when you see your opening go on the offensive reward you in the same way. It's not like, oh, I have to build up my grid and make sure that this... Like, that's a very Guilty Gear thing. Right. And in this case, those systems are there, but they just complement the the basic philosophy. Totally. It's nice because, like, there is so much depth. It's one of the games that just has layers and layers and layers of depth. I actually compare it a lot to Melee to, to certain people. Um, I can see that. Melee, to me, is one of those games in a similar way where, like, if you're feeling yourself, if you're on fire, like, the game is almost bending at your will, right? You're doing things that, like, you don't think should be possible, but the game is just like, no, dude, go off. Like, fucking just do whatever, dude. Like, yeah, man, fuck yeah. Have uh, have fun, dude. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's... It, and that depth is there for, like, the high-level competitive play. It's, like, really fun to watch, you know? Uh, I don't know if you how much of it you ended up watching while you were there. I watched all the top eight and uh, and some of the earlier stuff, but I mean the top eight was wild. Yeah, um, it was. It was really cool. Um, I'm a partic- I'm a big fan of a uh, the player uh, Squish Squash Applesauce. Okay. Um, yeah. Who's a, a Katsuki player? He's one of the best in in America, and I was just like watching him go off and like do this shit that I would have never even thought of. Um, which isn't uncommon for watching a high-level player play a fighting game. That's usually how it feels. Yeah, <laughs> they they are uniquely incredible at it. Like it's but just, like it didn't yeah. seem unobtainable. It seemed like like yeah. oh, I could see myself doing some of this. Like obviously not at the level of him, but it was like if I watch high-level Dragon Ball, I'm like oh, I could never do that. Or I like think Guilty yeah, Gear. it's the same thing. Yes, yeah, well, high-level Guilty Gear for sure. But like high-level Dragon Ball, like I I competed in Dragon Ball pools and I got you know, yeah, I got killed, and and that's fine. Like I expected to get killed. It wasn't. Sure. I really wasn't going in expecting to like rise up to the top sixteen or something. Um, but like, it was surprising comparing the two because I've played more Dragon Ball than I have Undernight. And I was much more able to compete in Undernight. And it's like, oh, okay, like, so either either the player group is not as, like, cemented and ossified as Dragon Ball, such that, like, you can never really be as good as the top Dragon Ball players, because, like, you're just at such a, such a disadvantage at this point. Right. Or the game itself is a little more um, open. And I, I think maybe it's a little bit of both, because, like, Undernight, the actual... I don't know, the actual player base in that game is so it's so open in a way. Like you you can you can pick from a lot of different people. You don't see the same three characters over and over. Um totally. they're popular and, ones, but And and it's also like we talked about Guilty Gear is like it's kinda hard to or it's almost impossible to jump between characters, but like I have two characters I would consider my main and then I have like two other characters that I consider myself pretty okay with. Like just from, you know, playing yeah. the game and learning the systems and then hopping into like the character tutorials for I don't know a half hour just learn like a basic B&B combo and go from there and I like like you were saying about the combo system like I think it's the combo system is fantastic in that it reminds me in some ways of um, of Dragon Ball where like you can combo into things very easily but unlike Dragon Ball the the kind of like simplicity of the inputs where there's an A, a B and a C mm-hmm. um 
makes it like much more elementary and at the same point much more complex. It's like the 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 sort of like classic literary thing of um you know restriction is right. is the key to good art. Like the the idea that you have three things and then you can like you can do a jump version or you can do a duck version and those are the things you have to do and then you can also break it and then start it again. Like that restriction of like you don't have 30 attacks, you have these attacks yep. is so rewarding as as a beginner and so rewarding to watch like extremely good players do too yeah it makes me really appreciate the team over there at french red like they made such a i i can't speak to the previous versions you know i'm sure they fine-tuned things here and there and i've heard For sure. that like in the previous one gordo was particularly a problem and everyone played him and he was kind of uh, broken but like they've really made an incredible game and i i never played melty blood i'm sure like there are multi players out there shout out to all three of you who are like going crazy right now that <laughs> i've been suggesting that they couldn't make a good game but uh um yeah like i i, I i'm kind of like uh it, it's it's incredible that they made a game that just feels so it just fe- it feels good dude <laughs> it feels really yeah <laughs> No, it feels really good. And, like, I think, you know, it's not even that, like, Melty Blood is bad or, like, the other no. games they've made are bad. It really is, like, it's a it's a triumph on the, like, because it feels like a game anyone could enjoy playing. And, like, that was the feeling I got at Combo Breaker when people were talking about Undernight. They were just, like, everyone loves playing this game and everyone loves watching it. And it just, like, it is so naturally easy to enjoy that it's it's different. Like I, I guess Mortal Kombat kind of got that uh, impression with some people, but I think the anime fighting community wasn't super interested in it. Tekken is is a bit tricky because it's so reliant on frame, uh, like invincibility frames and stuff like that. Um, and Street Fighter Five is like ultra polarizing. And so yeah. you look at all the all the games up there. Like people are kind of tired of Dragon Ball, or they they're sort of bored by it, or they're really excited by it. Guilty Gear gets the complexity thing. The only game that everyone really sort of seemed like either interested in playing or super into was Undernight, and that's like I don't know. It's such a big tournament. That's kind of uh, that's kind of remarkable. Yeah, it really it really just speaks to the quality of the game. Like mm-hmm. you know, people. Th- Undernight has had such a hardcore, small audience for so long of people like, nah, dude, this game is the truth, it's really fun, and like, I, you know, I, it's easy to be like, nah, dude, I'm gonna, like, keep playing whatever, I'm, I'm not into anime, there's so many excuses of why you wouldn't The anime fighter thing, yeah. The name of it, for instance, is like a going to be a barrier for some people. Like that. Yeah, and the fact that it like leans it. I was saying someone was saying like uh, it's very anime, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like I, I think I was trying to explain to a friend. Like I was like, it's kind of like um, you you know how like Guilty Gear kind of has the metal thing going on too, like to kind of cut the anime. Like it's sort of like it, yeah. it cares about metal. I was like, like if you imagine like guitars, you'll yeah. <laughs> imagine imagine uh, imagine Guilty Gear, but it didn't do the metal thing. It was just anime. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, oh yeah, I can see. Blue. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually true. It is more like Blaze Blue. I mean, it's they they share characters and cross tags. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's like it it really is like it's super anime. It's like a bunch of kids trying to fight demons and a. Eternal Night. It's like, yeah, okay. If you don't, if you don't like anime, that's also going to be a barrier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you kind of touched on it a moment ago, but it, it feels like a really strange time for fighting games without 
like without Capcom being kind of the dominating force that they have been for the last, I don't know, 15 years up until mm-hmm. recently, like I'm just looking at uh, the most recent Evo entrant numbers. Uh, this is from Mr. Wizard on Twitter. You know, first is Ultimate, uh, Smash Ultimate, then Tekken, okay. Street Fighter V, Undernight, Sam Show, Mortal Kombat, Dragon Ball, Soul Calibur, and Blaze Blue. That's a wild list. Like, Samson is not even out. That's Samson's amazing. not even out, and it's above Mortal Kombat. I'm sure Mortal Kombat is probably higher because it's like more people are going to be playing it. Yeah, um, but still, but like, I mean, to be that high—that's that's wild. That is know, a wild I'm, list. That's a wild list. Like Tekken and second, Smash and first. Like people were worried that you know without melee, there weren't going to be a lot of Smash players who wanted to come out to Evo. Like it's it's so all over. It's four different, five different. Yeah, the top five games are five different companies. You got Nintendo, yeah. Nintendo, uh, Bandai Namco. Well, I guess Namco worked on Ultimate, but like it, it used to be like you know, number one Street Fighter, number two Marvel vs. Capcom, and then like maybe Tekken for number three. Yeah, it was very predictable. I mean, like it felt like the the whole system was was extremely repeatable and extremely predictable. You'd always have a you'd always have an MVC and you'd always have a Street Fighter, and now like. I mean, I've heard more people say that they, you know, I was a Street Fighter 4 player, like, I competed in Street Fighter 4, and then, like, I just, I can't, I, I'm not feeling Street Fighter 5 at all. Like, it's just, like, it is such a such a new kind of space. Um, and, and, I mean, it feels that way at, at, the, at the competitions, too. Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, Street Fighter got a lot of press, obviously. Like, I was able to... I, when I was watching the Undernight Finals, they had the Street Fighter Top 96 to our left, so I got to watch uh, Daigo lose to um, some some guy who was playing like a bottom tier character, which was very weird, <laughs> um, very strange moment. But like, I mean, people were people were into it. I was like, it was super popular still, but it yeah. felt it, it it did not feel like it was stealing the show, which I think you know. Two years ago, I would assume like, why would you put this up against the top eight? No one's going to watch the top eight. Right. Yeah, totally. Like, uh, you know, I remember watching just random Street Fighter pools at Evo instead of, like, anything else just because that was the game, right? Yeah. You watched, you, I knew, like, you know, so many Street Fighter players. And that's the thing, though. Like, I watch a lot of Undernight uh, tournaments here and there. Like, but I can probably name three Undernight players and two of them are Sonic Fox and Koichi. Um, those are good names i mean (laughs) yeah uh but like i don't yeah so i'm not even following it for the players like i was in street fighter i'm following it because i want to see what cool shit can be done in the game yeah i agree and like that that really seemed that was surprising to me when i got there like to watch everyone not be like oh i can't wait to see x compete in in undernight but like you know people getting amped about, like, just watching, watching matches, watching different players. Like, I remember someone was, like, uh, there was someone putting up Combo Breaker highlights, and they were, like, um, you know, here's what normal people do, and here's what Seth does. Um, And, like, they were just interested in the character Seth. It wasn't even, like, the person playing it. They were, like, this guy owns with Seth. Like, it's amazing. Like, you'd see people talking about Chip and, and Guilty Gear or something. But, like, it's just, like, the character Seth and what you can do with it. It was just such a... I guess, like, I really like the fighting game scene for a lot of reasons, and I think, like, the way the big players carry themselves as sort of just, like, 
part of the community is very cool. Like, most yeah. of them will just, like, talk to you or, like, be around or hanging out or whatever. Like, you just see Sonic Fox just, like, shooting the shit with people. And, like, you know, that would be a really easy position to just, like, become way holier than thou and just show up for your competitions and leave. Totally. It, it It's cool. Like, it's it's a neat scene and it's, like, a little more diverse than um, other other gaming scenes. And, like, I enjoy it. But, like... One of the things that is sort of weird about it is that people are less interested in the games and more interested in the competitors. Like, that's a little strange for me. Yeah. Um, particularly, well, like, even as a sports fan where, like, yeah. I care about the teams. Uh, I'm not one of those dudes who's like, oh, I like I like buy a jersey for, like, players I like. Like, I don't have a team. I don't, like, I like... I like football and I like the Eagles and I will watch the Eagles play football. And that's like, I like the players on there. I can tell you who they are, but like, it's much more about the game and about the team. And in, in fighting games, it's much more about the individuals. Like the teams don't even all that much matter. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm even like that with like Dota. I don't really care okay, about yeah. the teams as much as the players I like, and they just happen to be on these teams. So I'm cheering for these teams. Uh, but you mentioned like uh, you mentioned people being really into char- the like their character and stuff. I want to give a shout out to the um, I'm in a Discord called Undernight Inbirth Player Hub, uh, mm. and it's a really really cool Discord where like uh, you know uh, every character has a channel and every tournament like has its own channel for people to organize and stuff. And oh, that's cool. There's tons of really cool resources, and all the channels are super active. All the like character specific ones. It's just like. Hey, how do I deal with like this specific thing from this other character? And like three people chime in with different stuff, and there's top level players in there. It's like a really cool resource. Um, Whoa, nice. I'm a, I'm a particular fan of. There was a trend for a while of people coming. So uh, Wildstein, if you haven't played the game, is kind of like the big grappler character um, who you don't see a lot in competitive play. He's like generally considered not to be a tremendously good character, but he's he's fun as hell. Um, but there was this one guy who would just pop into the channel every day and be like, hey, I just wanted to come in here and say Waldstein players are OG as fuck. You guys are tight. Keep up the good work. <laughs> and then just, like, leave. And you just do that every day. That rules. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a positive job. Yeah. <laughs> like, I needed that this morning. Thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah. It kicks ass. Yeah, no, it's it's... It's a cool game. Like I think I'm I'm really excited to see what it does in the next year and I'm really excited to see the next one. Like it'll it'll be really interesting to watch it progress as a scene. Like it I think the 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 thing I'd say about it like the the ultimate way that it represented itself as young but very cool was one of the people in top 8 was just named Unist player <laughs> which is like I mean <laughs> Just like talk about like a uh, like a boom like a quick boom like you'd never see anyone with like a Street Fighter guy or whatever. Like, no, that's oh, uh, it's very cool. I want to tell my favorite Smash story. Yes, please. That this reminds me of. There was a tournament in I don't know like Maine or something. Uh, do you know about Falco? Have you ever heard the story of Falco Master Three Thousand? No. So there was there was a fight there was a melee tournament in in the northeast somewhere and it was like a weekly you know at like a college I want to say like a, okay and it was like you know it wasn't like top level players or anything but these were the guys coming every week they were pretty good they would go to like big tournaments and do like finish top you know ninety six or whatever and like they're Not like, bad yeah like in smash that's a big players. deal yeah but one week some guy showed up in a ski mask. Uh, <laughs> registered as Falco Master 3000, 
played Falco, didn't say a word to anybody at all. People were like asking him questions, talking to him. He did not say a word to anyone. He won the entire tournament and left without saying anything and never showed up again. <laughs> and like, there's been all these like theories of people trying to debug who was Falco Master and like imitation Falco Masters popping up here and there. Wow. That's, that's amazing. To me, that's so uniquely like fighting game tournament. <laughs> people are like, I, I have never seen. Because, like, I mean, you mentioned Dota, and you have uh, more hours in Dota than I could possibly... Uh, this was also in your bio, all the hours you have in Dota. Um, my my uh, One of the guys I stream with, uh, my buddy Andrew, is also a uh, several thousand hour Dota guy, um, who will make that same exact sound if you mention it to him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like, Dota's sort of the same way, it, it, like... It, or, or I'm sorry, not the same way, but different for me, where, like, I think about the teams, and... They're not like they're just like professionals. Like you look at professional Dota, and it's like there's five dudes, and they might be exuberant or whatever. But it's like they're in their uniforms, they're doing their thing. And then you go to fighting game uh, tournaments, and like the one guy will be up there. Like I've seen him both years. He'll be up there with like really really big sunglasses that have that look like the the mask from Ruiner or whatever. Where like it'll have like a little lightning bolt go across and say like zero. <laughs> it's like man that rules. Like and then there's Sonic Fox and like everyone is just like so dramatic and so like into character and stuff. And right. It's like, this kicks ass. Like, this is just like so much more fun to watch people who are like that. It's having fun. Yeah. Dude, like it's absolutely fighting games are fun. Like Dota is stressful, but it's fun when you win. And like I, you know, I've I've gone to a Dota is fun there. when you win is like a perfect Dota statement. <laughs> but like, there's something about fighting games. It's the fact that the rounds are so short that you're not like investing a lot of time, even if you're losing. You know, right. it's like the all the tools are there for you. It, it's really up to you. Like, there's something about fighting games that are unique to any other video game I've played, and I play a lot of video games that. The feeling of, like, you know, whether it's, like, you and some friends just running sets for a couple hours or even going to a tournament and getting owed 2 there's just something about it that's, like, man, I'm not even, like, I had fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. The uh, only I game a picture of Falco Master in the Discord just for reference. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I'm going to go look at it right now. Oh, my God. That's so cool. It's like D.B. Cooper went to a Smash <laughs> yeah. tournament. That's so good. Uh, well, at least I know what the picture for this episode will be. Um, but, yeah, no, it's like, it's like um, the only time I, I and I've, I've told people this, the only time I didn't have fun in a fighting game tournament was when I played Skullgirls. And Skullgirls, like, <laughs> I just, I, I actually, like, I got beaten perfect i got perfected twice and i was like oh this sucks God. like yeah. i just like i can't get a hit in these people know everything about this game like i like playing this game against the computer i hate this and i think I, i'm most frightened of skull girls players of any of any sort of subset of the fgc like dedicated skull girls players i had no idea how good they were like i got in i was like oh skull girls it's a fun game i have fun with that game and like i just got completely destroyed and it was the first time i ever competed in anything later that was oh, that was last yeah. year yeah that was last year and then i competed in a dvc after and like put up a good fight and i realized i was like okay i'm having fun again but after that Skullgirls thing i just left i think i like i think i went to starbucks and just like sat down and like wrote or like just like sat in my car for a little bit i was like this is something sucks. very uniquely not fighting games yeah i was like i need to get out of this entire space like i just need to i get i never want to touch a fight stick again 
Um, I, uh, my first fighting game competition was NorCal Regionals 2011, okay. uh, which happened at my college. It was great. Like it was. A, oh, that's easy. Perfect, yeah. And I and, and I lived like a walking distance away. Um, it was a lot of fun. So I, I go and I was I only signed up for Street Fighter Four, and I won my first game against somebody who like really didn't know what they were doing, and then my second game was against this DJ player who was kind of like. The, they would like joke. It was a, it was half a joke, but half the truth that he was NorCal's best at DJ, which is like saying you know <laughs> I'm, like, I'm you know I, I can't think of a good analogy, but like it's a, it's a big fish small pond. Yeah, not a lot, not a lot of DJ players in NorCal. <laughs> no, not a lot of DJ players anywhere. Um, <laughs> and I I managed to like barely scrape it. Like he had like friends watching. He was one of the caliber players where like people were watching him play. Like people okay. knew him from the scene. And I, like, managed to cheese him out with a couple, like, random wake-up ultras and shit. And I, like, barely won. And I was, like, that was maybe the most excited I've ever been. And I look at the I look at the challenge bracket, and my next opponent was Ricky Ortiz. Oh, <laughs> no. Who uh, would go on to win the entire tournament. Um, well, then you got second, basically. <laughs> yeah, so I got second. <laughs> but basically, at that point, I was riding such a high... That I was like, man, even if I hit Ricky once, I'm going to consider it a victory. <laughs> and, like, I almost took around, And I was just like, I, I walked away just, like, with a huge smile on my face. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I got 0-4 in rounds. But, like, I was like, I'm so happy, dude. That was me and Eunice. I, I like, this year, like, I, I, I did I did my first one. And I, I didn't like I didn't like how I played. And I didn't like how my character... I played in Kidu. Because I, I like the getting up close. I like the hard hits. Yeah. But he is just, like... He doesn't really work in competitive like that. Like it didn't it didn't work for me. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do phone on instead. And I got 0-2. I didn't I didn't get a knockdown. And then I got 0-2 in my second one, but I got a knockdown. And it was my first combo breaker knockdown. It was before the mystery rounds or mystery game. And I was just like, I was like, that's good. That like <laughs> anything, it doesn't matter what else happened. Like, and I looked ahead and the person who who beat me lost the next round. It was like not not exactly a matchup of Titans or anything in the losers right. bracket. But, like, it was, I got the knockdown, and I was, like, I feel like I just, like, you know, won the whole thing. Like, there's just, like, those those little moments of, like, I think it's, like, the adrenaline plus the self-improvement plus, like, you know, the fact that it is so much, like, an open competition at any given point that, like, fighting games just uniquely feel that exciting and that cool to win in. Yeah, for sure. Even Even, like... Even yeah, even when you're not confident about your abilities, going and like setting little goals for yourself. Like when I went to Evo for the first time, I was like, I just want to win one set. Like mm. I want to go yeah. one and two this tournament, and I did it, and I felt incredible. Like I felt like that was such a huge accomplishment because that's you know, a big deal. Evo's the, tough to yeah. compete at. <laughs> the thing is, like you know, you you think about fighting. Like if you if you've never gone to a fighting game or if you've only like kind of been to one and two, but you know fighting games as a concept, like. You know, you go and you're like, oh my god, there's people here like Justin Wong and Daigo and Takedo and all these names. And you're like, oh my god, what if I run into them in bracket? I would get devastated. But you don't think about like all the dudes who are like, I'm the best Ryu player in Montana. And that dude's yeah. going to kick your ass every time. Yeah, like, like the dudes who are like 30 seconds in all of these yeah. things are just like, they're just done. You're you're they're, done they're in a second on against them. Such another level, like they, yes. they're just like yeah. 
Uh, no, I thought about that too. I was like, because uh, like a buddy of mine was playing Street Fighter Five last year and uh, ran into Alex Valle in brackets and just got completely aced. And he was like, I can't believe I ran into Alex Valle in brackets. I just got my uh, ass kicked by this old man. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> but like, I, I mean, like it's funny seeing seeing those dudes around because like uh, someone introduced me to Justin Wong and it was like I was like, oh wow, Justin Wong, and we, we chatted a little bit and. He was just like a guy, and he seemed really tired, and I was like, man, he seems really busy, and they're like, yeah, he just had a kid. I was like, <laughs> man, stars, they're just like us. Like, it's, it, but, like, you watch them on stage, and it's like they're another level. It's, it's so weird. Like, it's, it's, such a, it's such a strange experience of watching people, like, perform at absolutely the best possible level and also be, like, mostly anonymous when they're not. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um... Can I ask you one question before I let you go? I know you have oh, a busy please. day. Uh, what do you think about the hitbox? What do you think about Daigo's hitbox? Do you uh, think? Yeah, I mean, I think the hitbox in general is, is a valuable tool to fighting games. There's a lot of people I know. Um, Yohozi out there, she's a Dragon Ball Fighters player, uh, mostly, and some other things. Like, has hand problems and legitimately needs the hitbox just because, like, it's hard to grip a joystick. You know, there, there's... Yeah. Uh, there was kind of in, in Smash, I don't know, uh, if you were like aware to the hitbox controversy in Smash at all. A little bit. I was, I was, I, I, cause I, I covered, um, I covered Daigo on the last, like, uh, do a little news show every week with a couple people and like, we covered that and when I was doing it, I mentioned it and someone was like, oh, you should do the Smash one too. And so I looked into it slightly. Yeah, so basically, like, the, the short version of it, there's, there is a player named Hax who was, like, definitely a rising star, like, on track to be a top ten player, uh, a New York Fox player, kind of, like, meta-defining dude, really young kid, and he was just playing one day, and he felt, like, a snap in his wrist, basically, and oh. spent, like, had multiple surgeries, yada, 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 like, just t- could not improve and, like, basically couldn't play Melee on a GameCube controller anymore, and so he worked with a company to create basically a uh, melee version of the hitbox. Uh, but, you know, because of the way, like, uh, analog movement works, some people considered it not fair because you could hit certain angles on stuff that you wouldn't be right. able to do without perfect precision on a game controller, yada, yada, yada. And so they kind of issued a blanket ban of them before... Before even really giving them a shot, like, in a tournament scenario. It wasn't huh. like, oh, God, everyone's using hitboxes, and all top eight is all hitbox players, which I, I wouldn't even have a problem with that. That's fine. Uh, Learn how to use a hitbox. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's fine. Uh, but, like, the, Di- the Daigo thing I understand, because uh, I, I, I only briefly glanced over it, but I, I believe there was, like, an issue with charge partitioning being yeah. on it. Like, I, I, was, I was okay with it until I read that... Daigo could uh, charge um, Sonic Booms as Guile and uh, and then release the Sonic Boom, but be charging while he released the Sonic Boom. Like, yeah, like charging. That's, and I was yeah. like, that is a, an advantage that Daigo does not need. <laughs> like that seems seems a little rough to give one of the best players in the world that advantage. So yeah, and th- that was like a problem in Marvel as well. There was a thing with hitboxes where you could uh, bind back and forward to the same key, and it would let you block mix-ups because you'd be holding both directions. Uh, yeah, that was uh, the. But they patched it. Yeah. you know, they fixed it, and then people could use the hitboxes again, which is what I think is ultimately going to happen with the Daigo controversy. Yeah, I mean, it really like that. The the holding forward and back thing seemed like seemed like one of those things that could be fixed on a game-to-game basis, like a, a sort of like, a, okay, well, 
now we have to we have to account for people holding forward and back at the same exact time and, and blocking from both angles. We could we could do that in a patch. Whereas like modding the hitbox was the was the thing that was so strange to me where it was like, yeah, that's a uh, that's tricky. <laughs> like that's pretty hard. Um I would I would have hated to be in combo breakers shoes for that. I think, you know, yeah. they made the right choice, that, but it was yeah. probably really hard. Yeah, especially like Daigo of all people, one of the most beloved people in fighting game. Yeah, and I mean he's coming there, he's I mean he's a big pull for like just spectators coming to your show. It's not like you know, it's not like you want to spit on him or I I would say like him, Justin Wong, and Sonic Fox are probably like the three people casual folks are coming to see. Right. So like, yeah, I mean it's 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 very tricky. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I think I think probably it's a it's something that'll just adapt over time. I think hitboxes are fascinating. I can't ever imagine being able to use one. Like I've kind of always wanted to use one and I've talked to Jason about building one, kind uh-huh. of from scratch, because he's very he's like a fucking wizard when it comes to those things yeah uh i i don't know like the idea of like i'm way better with a keyboard than a joystick i think i don't know well, maybe all those donut hours uh can come in handy and oh me how to... man i never actually thought wow okay now i'm rethinking it because now i'm rethinking of it as like a was kind of situation yeah okay i uh uh Okay, yeah, I could I could see it. I don't know. <laughs> now now I'm rethinking it. I'm rethinking it. But um yeah, well, I'll I'll let you know if I ever ever uh do a hitbox. And we should um we got to we got to get together to to spar in Unist at some point. Maybe I'll join yeah, up on great. that Discord. That'd be fun. Um yeah. Well, all right, man. People. Yeah, no, it sounds great. And everyone else, yeah. If you haven't tried Unist yet and you like fighting games, I would I would give it a try. Um they're coming out with a new one soon, so the other one's going to be cheap. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's always on sale. Yeah, it is. I got it for like I think I got it for like twenty dollars or less. Like it's it's not a bad it's not a bad buy. Um, and they don't do the thing with DLC characters. You just get the characters, which is yeah, it's great. Very unique for this time of, of <laughs> the of the fighting game scene. Um, you don't have to go ahead and pay forty dollars to get the people who are now the meta or whatever. Um, well, Ben, thank you so much for being on. Um, yeah, where can blessed. where can people uh, where can people follow you? Uh, follow my rap alias at back, pack Ben Pack. Uh, check it out. Really good tweets. Um, I like your cool. SoundCloud too. I, uh, I'm a little, you know, it's it's a little experimental probably for some people, but like it's pretty cool. I like how you are. You just like I like tell genre it, it defining, but sure, weird is fine. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, and you're, you're still, you're still posting work. You're still, still doing work, still doing videos all yeah, over the place us, now. Or? Uh, giant bomb. Like if you listen to Is this and you like yeah. our fighting game talk, uh, check out ranking of fighters. It's my, probably my favorite thing I do there. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and we play some really weird old obscure fighting games. Nice. Well, thanks I mean, for having me, dude. It was, it was fun. Yeah, no, come back anytime. Um, all right. Talk to you later. Bye.